Welcome to Two Oceans Vibe. How are you doing, Pippa? I'm having a wonderful day. It's hard not to when Cape Town sun is shining like this. I know. Thank goodness yeah. summer is back. It, it, I had a friend out here from the UK mm. um, for a week. And it was winter. winter it was week, li- yeah. it, it was literally winter, winter week, yeah. And um, and he left on Monday, mm. and Tuesday and was summer. Oh, you oh know, no. <laughs> at least he was here for the rugby. Uh, oh, Ooh, I don't know if that. <laughs> yes, I don't. I don't know if he was happy to be yeah. here for the rugby yeah. since we. Um, and I, rem- as we started the game, I kind of said. Oh, I need to tell all my English friends we're going to beat them, you know. And he's sitting right next to me, and I said, "Well, maybe I mustn't speak too soon. Let's yes. just like wait, you know." And <laughs> and then it was a fantastic game. Did you? Where did you watch it? I watched with a variety of friends, English and South African. As you can hear, I am from England yes. originally, and I actually changed my allegiance in '95. I, I moved here in 1992, at a time when everybody else seemed to be leaving the country. And decided to really stay and put down roots in 95. And of course, 95 was also the year of that spectacular World Cup. And I changed my allegiance. And that, I decided to get fully behind the country and get uh, become a passionately Springbok supporter, uh, which I am. And I still am to this day. So Yay. I'm absolutely thrilled with the result on Saturday. Oh, good. I'm yeah. so, so glad. I must say, there's, I, I, I don't understand, and I suppose I need to figure it out, but when people are not supporting South Africa, mm. especially when we are in South Africans not supporting South Africa. Yeah, yeah. You I know? struggle with that one. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I was at, um, I'm not going to say where, but I was at a, I was exercising and mm. I, the, they didn't support the Springbok. And I was like, do you know what this does for our country? Yeah. Do you know what sport for me, sport is a representation of something that brings people together mm-hmm. and all people. It's like all of a sudden it doesn't matter what your sexual preference is, what your religious preference is, what color you are, what sex you are, what gender. Mm-hmm. It, nothing matters anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just matters that a country is coming together yeah. and celebrating something. So I, oh, I love it. I, you know, I always say that they are gladiators. They our, are. Rugby, our rugby and, players. And we can celebrate our high for another few days at least. Yes. Yeah. Did you see Fuffy in his little... In um, his pants? Yes. In his lovely little budgie smuggler <laughs> <laughs> with Meghan and Prince Harry. Yes, indeed. Well, Prince Harry was... He's so you know, great. He was great and he handled it very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but I think only Faf would be there in his pants. It's fantastic. I mean, it love was it. just... It was so, yeah. so brilliant. I Actually, I think I fell a little bit in love with... Faf when um, in the Wales game because yeah. that was an excruciating game. Absolutely. I mean, it was painful to watch. I've said it a number of times during the show, but it was really mm. a painful game Edge to watch. Seat, yeah. But when that yeah. huge, I mean, he yeah. was double his size <laughs> and he picks him up and I don't even think Faf's feet were on the floor yeah. at that stage and he's just laughing. laughing. He's just yes, laughing. I'm like, oh my goodness, that is hilarious. I read a fantastic article in the, in the British Times this morning about... Um, by a journalist saying, my wife, you know, I, I realized when I was watching that, that annoying little blonde one <laughs> is actually really like my wife. It's like <laughs> it very, my very wife. Funny. Yeah, very funny. Article. And she saw it herself. She said, she said he's great, isn't he? Oh, yeah. he's fantastic. We love you, Faf. We, we love, indeed. love, 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 love you. Um, I will tell you a funny story. Remind me later, listeners, um, about the name Faf. Um, just a little bit later. But Pippa, let's chat a little mm. bit about what you and Gabby have been doing. Maybe just give the audience, the listeners, a little bit of an introduction into the 10 R's of resilience and why you created this course. Okay, so 
The 10 R's of authentic resilience really comes from a place, funnily enough, of authenticity. And that's mm. what it's all about. Um, I, but as you, you all know, Gabby's story, my story is much less publicly known. I have also been through a lot of loss in my life. I've very briefly lost two of my four children. I lost my first husband, my sister a week sure. later, and my mum, and also one of my children, one of my surviving children, was born with a congenital abnormality, meaning she spent a, she's had 23 surgeries in her life and has spent a lot of time in hospital. Wow. Okay, so that's a huge amount that's to hear. That's a lot, yes. And the question I've been asked most often in my life is, how have you coped? Mm. With people who then follow that up by saying, well, I, I couldn't cope. Mm. And so I started looking at that a number of years ago about, well, what is it that makes me cope? What, has, what have been the things that really have got me through? And also what, you know, more in general, makes some people not only cope, but some people actually survive and thrive, mm. and other people crash and not be Fall able apart, to continue. Yes. So we, I started looking at that, and um, my, my last significant death of my son that happened was in March 2015. My eldest son, Jack, was working on a film shoot. He was 24 years old. And he was driving from one location to another on a beautiful summer's day. It was the day before my 50th birthday. And a poorly marked road, he was hit from the side oh. and was killed. And you go through a massive life change when things mm. like that happen. That was the second of my children I'd lost. And it makes you stop and think and look at life with a totally different perspective. So I made a, a big shift in my life at that stage. I started my studying starting to be a coach at that stage because I knew I wanted to see how I could get some of what I'd learned in life so that mm. the lessons that I'd learned along the way wouldn't be wasted yeah but they could actually help other people as well and as you know um, a few months later in 2015 um, Jenna Lowe died Gabby's yes. daughter so Jack died Jenna died three months after that and then three months after that Gabby and I found ourselves in a yoga class together and we'd known each other, we have friends in common, but I didn't really know her. And I walked over to her after that yoga class and said, we need to have lunch. Hmm. And what began then was a conversation of two people who shared the same experience of incredible hardship, of losing people, of loss, but also being able to, to, to live and, and live a, a thriving life as well. Coincidentally, she was also training to be a coach as well. And so we carried on having lunch for the next few years. And then at a point, a couple of, yeah, 2017, we asked ourselves that question and said, Gabby said, well, I'm looking at this. And I said, well, funny enough, I'm looking at that, about how, how some people not just survive, but they thrive. Mm. And we decided to, to pool our resources as well and to say, well, let's work on this together because two heads are always better than one. 100%. The common experience of yeah. working together, bouncing ideas off each other and sharing that knowledge was absolutely huge. Yeah. So we started working on it and we developed this model called the 10 R's of authentic resilience, which are 10 incredibly practical tools that teach people how to build resilience within themselves. And the, the reality is, I mean, you're... <sighs> there, there is a saying, and I, I believe it to be 100% true, a mother should never outlive her children. Absolutely. It's, um, I think that it is, I mean, I've lost people along the way in my mm. life and um, I think it, it is different. It's the, it's the most painful death mm. that you could possibly, um, and I'm only just 
assume, like I, I have mm. no I had a miscarriage but I have mm. I, I, I have nothing beyond that yeah. in terms yeah. of my experience but I've lost people very close mm. to me mm. um, and I know how that's shaped and changed my life but I also know that even that miscarriage um, you know gave me a glimpse into what you start feeling and I know how much I love my sisters who I helped raise and my godchildren I have five of them and you know they say when you have a baby it's like having your heart walking outside of you for mm -hmm. the rest of your life and mm -hmm. so yeah I just I, I'm just yeah. sending you love thank you and condolences you. for that and the sad reality is that we so everybody has these things you know mm -hmm. in life everybody has these challenges that they are faced with and um and like you say so many people just don't they don't mm -hmm. cope they I, my uncle and my aunt were um one of those couples you know they were forever changed mm -hmm. um my uncle my cousin who was my best friend died when i was 17 in a car accident mm -hmm. and um they were forever changed and their marriage fell apart and mm -hmm. just their lives disintegrated and that happens far too often you know not only with death but other challenges yeah. as well um, so firstly it just a very big mm. um, heartfelt um, congratulations and just recognition of the work that you and Gabby are doing because it's so important and um, and wonderful so thank you very much for taking your experience and turning it into a gift because I think that that it's so interesting I was actually talking to a good friend of mine Chris Farrell this weekend and I was saying you know every everything that happens is a possible gift Absolutely. you can you can decide whether to make it a gift or a challenge and it is a choice absolutely and one thing I want to say which we very clearly state in the work that we do is there is no hierarchy of suffering yes. there's nothing that makes yeah. my losses any worse than anybody else's for somebody who has there just isn't a comparison we mm. cannot put them on some hierarchy but I think what I'm recognizing is what you're saying is that the thing about the loss of a child, even with miscarriage or stillborn, whenever it happens, is the loss of a future. Mm -hmm. When other people we've lost in our lives, it's the loss of those memories very often. But what we lose when we lose a young person is we lose the future. Mm. We lose what they could have been, our mm. expectations for their lives, for our lives with them, mm. for that relationship. Yeah. No, absolutely, and I agree with that. I, I've um, spoken about this before, but I love Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Love her. She's one of my faves. But I remember the first time I felt um, disappointed. She had a young girl um, on. It was when Dr. Phil had just started, mm. and, um, and the young girl had broken up with her boyfriend. She was 15 or 16 years old or whatever it was, and she was really battling with this, you know, and eventually Oprah just said, my darling, get some perspective. There are people dying in, you know, of starvation and this and that and next thing. And I remember feeling such deep disappointment mm. because for that young girl, that was the biggest thing, mm. the biggest heartache she had yeah. ever experienced in her life. And everything is relative, you know. And um, I speak very openly about um, the abuse that I've had in my past. And people go, oh, my gosh, my story is nothing compared yeah. to you. Or, and, and I'm like, no, mm. that's, that's not true at mm. all. Your challenges are equally valid so I appreciate that you're yeah. saying that and it's something that I reaffirm all the time mm -hmm. and I think it's important for all the listeners to know you are valid 
So hear that. You are valid. Every pain that you feel, every joy absolutely. that you feel, you are absolutely 100% valid. So don't ever go, oh no, but this person mm -hmm. has experienced more or gone through more and so they are more valid than me. That's not true. Each individual absolutely is right. valid. Um, Pippa, before... What, what can people expect? I know you've said there's the 10 hours. Can you maybe give us mm. um, two or three of them just so that people can understand what kind of things they could look forward to by doing the course? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when we start, the first R that we face is, is reality. Staring down the brutal truth and making meaning of the mess. Because when we face anything in life, we cannot start working with anything unless we're actually facing reality. Mm. And we think, well, that's easy. Reality is what it is. But what you look at fairly quickly is reality and the difference between facts and assumptions. Mm. We make an awful lot of assumptions in our life. Yes, we do. Okay, so we're given a, something happens, a diagnosis. We're told that we've lost a job. Say we've lost a job. Mm. The assumptions that go into that are start spinning out of control. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's it. I'm going to lose my house now. You know, there's those those entire assumptions that go along mm. with that about everybody's going to think that I'm a failure. Um, we make assumptions. We make mm. assumptions about anything. What is the actual fact? Mm. The fact is, I have lost this job. Yes. Okay. So we have to start off by separating out facts from assumptions, and so we look at what those are. Also within reality, we look at coming to this place of what we call realistic optimism, which sounds a bit of a paradox. There's an awful lot of paradox in, in, in this. There's an awful lot of gray. It's not that everything isn't black and white. When we look at realistic optimism, we've got to come to this place, which is not denial, which is the Pollyanna-ish, oh, everything's going to be absolutely fine. Yes. On one side of it, or nothing's going to happen. And on the other hand, Completely the opposite end of the spectrum is dramatization. Mm. Oh my goodness, that's it. Everything's in a complete tragedy and everything's spinning out of control. So between denial and dramatization, in the middle somewhere is this place of realistic optimism, mm. of being able to hold on to hope, mm. but also about being realistic about it. So there's a great man called Admiral James Stockdale. Yes. You know about him. So he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. He was shot down and he was kept in, in a prisoner of war camp, what they called laughingly the Hanoi Hilton. And he was there for about seven years and he was tortured on many occasions. And he talked about realistic optimism, about the people who made So who made it out? Hmm. So the people who made it out were the ones who had hope, but they also weren't the optimists. So the optimists, who are the ones who are going, oh, it's fine, we're going to be out by Easter. Easter comes and Easter goes, they're not let out. Thanksgiving comes and goes, Christmas comes and goes, Easter's back again. And they're not released and they die of a broken heart because mm -hmm. they have been optimistic but not realistic. So it's finding that balance. Finding the balance is incredibly important. Very, very important. So when we start looking at the 10 R's of, realistic, uh, of authentic um, resilience, the very first thing we look at is about reality, about staring down the brutal truth because we cannot face what the future is and we cannot become realistic about our futures until we're looking at what the reality is. And, and it's an interesting one. With my situation that happened with my death, death is a fact. Hmm. So what I could get spinning, spinning out of control on the dramatization is nothing will ever be the same again. True, it won't be. Hmm. Life is never the yeah. same again. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that life has to be 
terrible and you're going to feel this pain forever. Mm. Whereas other people who have, for example, a medical diagnosis, that's also where we need to face reality about, well, what is the reality? What do we know for sure? And what is still open to, to, um, to, for interpretation. For interpretation, well. And yes. the fact that things can change as well. Absolutely. And also the reality is that um, someone's truth might not be your truth. So when Absolutely. we have a diagnosis, um, as many of the listeners know, I was diagnosed with, um, with systemic lupus. I mm. am not medically supposed to be here, yeah. you know, but I had a different path. Mm. And so th that is also very important mm. not to just give up because mm. a diagnosis has been given. Yeah, exactly. So in your case, getting a diagnosis like that would have been, the denial side of it would have been, oh, I'm going to be absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just going to continue as I did before and there's nothing, nothing's going to happen. Dramatization is I've got this diagnosis. That's it. I'm in a coffin already. Mm. Yes. And a place of realistic optimism means, okay, this is something serious here, but I need to look at what the actual facts are. I need to speak to the people who really know what they're talking about and find out what the facts are. What the facts are. Mm. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I've got a question coming in here. Mm. Um, do you think spirituality... Um, plays a part in understanding medical co conditions. Well, you guys know me. I believe in the mind-body-soul connection, and um, and I certainly did use that when I was going through my healing phase. I looked at what um, what spiritually was happening for me. I looked at what my subconscious mind was dealing with, and I looked at how that was manifesting in my body. So. From my perspective, absolutely, I believe that. I don't know what you, what you think or believe. So just, just go over the question again. The question is, do you think spirituality plays a part in understanding medical conditions? Um, I think what can be hard about that is if we believe in a God who is punishing and giving us something. Sure. And that's not my belief. Yeah. Whether where where spirituality has a massive place in can have a massive place in building resilience is it gives you the purpose and the meaning in life. However, in the work that Gabby and I've done together of looking both both of our own cases and other people, and of doing an awful lot of reading, what we can say is that if you have got a deep faith, you are not necessarily resilient. But if you don't have a faith, that doesn't mean that you're not resilient. So there is no correlate. So. Faith is a huge part. If you, if you have a deep faith, I, I do have a faith, and I know that I couldn't have got through everything I've got through without a faith. But it's changed and morphed a lot over yes. the years. Absolutely. And, and spirituality, to be able to think that there is something, this is not all there is, there is something much bigger than we can see, I think helps gives you perspective as well. Yeah. I, I think that it definitely does. I, I believe in... Um, you guys know I believe in the soul's journey and that mm. um, we have a journey that we are coming down here to experience. And so, but that, is, that um, guys that are listening there, that you know how I feel about that. Like I, I found out after I was already healing from systemic lupus, because I believe in the mind-body connection, mm. um, that it literally lupus is your body trying to kill itself. Yeah. And I had gotten to the point where there was so much abuse, self-abuse, mm. that my body literally, and I remember the moment where my body said, I'm not letting you do this mm. anymore. 
and my body just shut down and within three months I was in ICU mm. you know so um, I do believe in those things I absolutely mm. do and I do believe that our spirituality plays a part mm. in all of these things but you've got to find your own truth I think that's absolutely. the important absolutely. the important part now I know you are running a course this weekend in Johannesburg yeah. funny enough I'm going to be in Joburg okay. as well I don't know if Gabby told you that um, and then you've got one next weekend in that's Cape right. Town yeah. do you want to give the listeners a little bit of details about um, that so very often we run our workshops for for corporates and which is fantastic because corporates and organizations uh, get to to, to teach this and share this knowledge with their staff. But Gabby and I are very much, de very determined to keep this open for members of the public because for anybody who really wants to hear this work and to learn how it works, mm. impacts in their life. And we've had some extraordinary stories of how this has impacted in people's lives with the work that they've done. So we run public workshops um, four or five times a year. And the next one coming up, which will be the last one of the year, takes place on the 16th of November, which is a Saturday at the Hyde Hotel in Seapoint. It's a full day that runs from about 8.30 in the morning to four in the afternoon and lunch and all the refreshments and material is included. And on that day, you get to walk through those 10, those 10 tools and you will go home with 10 tools in your toolbox. Some you'll need to use more than others, some are appropriate for sometimes, but to build a truly authentically resilient life, you need mm. to use all 10 tools. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And um, Pippa and Gabby will also be in Johannesburg this Saturday running the course for the Joburg listeners. Um, also full day, exactly the same yep. thing. It will just be happening in Johannesburg. Where can people buy tickets, get tickets, get more information? So for both events, ticket, uh, tickets are available on Quicket. So if you just search resilience, you'll see them both coming up. So that's Joburg is this weekend on the 9th and Cape Town is um, on the 16th, the following Saturday. Amazing. Thank you so much, Pippa. I think that, um, you know, this is so valuable and the work that you guys are doing is so Thank you. fantastic and profound. I'm so excited. I will be joining the ladies next weekend. Um, we're getting great show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of you listening in thank because you. without you, this wouldn't be of any value whatsoever. Absolutely. So thank you for everyone who's tuning in.